football on off the ball. We played each other, I think it was Bournemouth versus Wigan, and to this day I've never had a tackle attempted on me the way James tried to tackle me. Join in the obsession. Subscribe now at offtheball.com forward slash join. The Racing Pod on Off The Ball. Yeah, it is episode three of The Racing Pod and uh, I've switched uh, stables today or certainly switched stalls. I'm uh, in the hot seat for JD who's enjoying a little bit of time off and uh, the lovely cold weather and it's David Jennings from the Irish, uh, from the Racing Post who joins me today, Deputy uh, Editor of the Racing Post in Ireland and yeah, as I say, this is episode three. We've loads to get through because it's a brilliant weekend of racing in Ireland uh, and Britain and also last weekend. Well, there was loads going on. It is cold, JD, which is a small concern ahead of the weekend's cards. It is very cold, uh, Johnny, yeah. Um, I'm only about five minutes from Fairy House in Dunchaplin and we got a real severe frost last night. It was a kind of a, a five-minute job for clearing the window screen rather than the usual two-minute job. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty cold. Uh, they are pretty confident, I think, about Sunday anyway and reasonably confident about Saturday at the track in Fairy House. So, fingers crossed it all goes ahead because three grade ones on Sunday and, as we know over the years, Johnny, loads and loads and loads of Cheltenham clues. Loads of Shelton clues, yeah. I was uh, just going into the corner shop a couple of days ago and there was this big shower of hailstones and I went in and it was kind of like, oh. And your man the count goes, oh, this weather is nuts. And I was like, oh, it is, it's really nuts. Had you fired to come? And he goes, India. And I was like, no, no, like this morning on your bike, like, you know. So anyway, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so the performance of the week we get to first. Let's cut to the chase here. Um, he actually said Kerala. And I was like, I used to pronounce that Kerala, but but Kerala is good. But anyway, he's um, yeah. Then we got into a chat about curry. So let's let's talk about uh, horses, right? Performance of the week for you to start us off. Uh, you, know, you never know with you, Johnny, what, what what kind of direction these conversations are going to take. I didn't expect to be starting with an Indian in the corner shop, but there we, uh, go. there we go. There we go. You never know. That's the beauty of Johnny Ward. Uh, performance of the week. Look, I was in, in Punch 10 last weekend, and the one performance that blew me away was Gaelic Warrior. Um, he ran the beginner's chase. He was second to Imperial Pass in the Ballymore last season. And watching the race, it's a beginner's chase against good horses, like talented horses, uh, like horses that will win plenty of chases I know the way you're thinking is a good horse Senior Chief of Henry de Bromwich is a good tor- horse Cool Survivor ran really well in the beginner's chase on his first start so he good horses in behind him and he made them look distinctly ordinary there was the kind of Alaho feel to it I thought it was like taking horses out of their comfort zone and really annoying them with the pace he's able to go yes there were one or two jumping errors where he got low at one or two he does jump to his right which will be a factor come Cheltenham but he's just got so much natural ability that he there he has the potential to blow these top races wide open. And you can certainly understand why Willie Mullins decided to go straight over fences. He was favoured for the stairs hurdle before he revealed in a stable tour in the race of post that he would be going uh, over fences with Gaelic Warrior. And uh, I think it looks a pretty shrewd move at the minute, Johnny. I don't know. I was blown away with you. I was absolutely amazed by it. For a horse that like probably is best at three miles, give or take, to be that far clear over two, three, kind of, as you say, good horses in behind. And he spoke about his hope that he'd take defences. Like, and I was saying, you know, this horse for the Brown Advisory um, looks one of the, the best bets you could have for Cheltenham. Said the same to JD. Now they're talking about possibly going back and trip with Gaelic Warrior, which which makes sense as well. Just to reiterate, we're delighted to bring you this show every Friday. It includes analysis, race previews, tips, stories, infuse and crack. And the first half of the pod every week um, is free to air. The second half um, is exclusive to members, so uh, you don't want to miss out on all the info. But it, it was one of those weekends, JD, or 
DJ or other where some of the performances you were like this has just gotten us in the mood for the for the jump season and you had a lot of short price horses beaten as well so we had like Galloping the Shot was the main one um, Tully Hill of 1-8 to eight. Willie had another horse in and Tremor earlier on this week turned over at very short odds what did you make of Galloping the Shot Brave Man's Game was turned over at odds on as well the Gold Cup picture um, now you've like Martin Brassel and Mouse Morris potentially having big candidates maybe it's great, isn't it? I think it's really opened it up. I think we came away from last season's Gold Cup in March thinking Galloping the Shop's going to win the next three Gold Cups and that's it, done and dusted. And, you know, he's never going to be odds against again kind of thing. And then he's beaten it odds on and punches 10 in the Gold Cup by fast or slow. And you're kind of saying, ah, it was the end of a long, hard season. And, you know, he still had that air of invincibility. But that's kind of gone now, Johnny, that real aura of he's unbeatable. And up until April, we did think he was unbeatable because the only time he had been beaten over fences was, of course, when he was clear in the in the Turners at Cheltenham and he slipped up and landing at the last. But it was just, everything was a bit lethargic, wasn't it? Like, it was like his, his jumping was a bit all over the place. He didn't really attack his fences the way we know he can attack his fences. They've obviously changed the way this horse runs in his races and they've obviously changed his training because as a younger horse when he was a novice he was exuberant he made the run and he wanted to get on with things and then they wanted to win a gold cup with him so they obviously had to slow him down and slow his jumping down and get him in behind horses and you know this is probably the knock-on effect of that and that he's probably not doing stuff as exuberantly as he used to do um still i did think there was a little bit of an overreaction um afterwards you know people suggesting he's gone at the game and you know he's no chance in the gold cup like he was still only beating a length and a half it was two and a half miles it's a completely different kettle of fish at chatham over three mile two we know he's a strong stayer he's got every chance in the gold cup but the problem is he's just not that you know, once in a lifetime type of horse that we thought he might be. I certainly did. When he won the Gold Cup last season, I thought we saw maybe, you know, potentially the next Colorado star or certainly the next horse that was up to that level. And after being beaten twice now, you're just wondering, will he reproduce that brilliance that we saw last season? I hope he does. And I suppose his next start, which will either be in the Savills Chase or the Irish Gold Cup, you'd imagine, will tell us a lot more. Fast or slow, he's a contender. He is a contender. Uh, I thought uh, my own boss, Richie Forrestal, in the Racing Post summed it up perfectly in the last line. He said he's both fast and slow, which is something you need to be to be a Gold Cup winner because you need to have the pace to be good enough to win the race, but you can't be. You need to be slow and lob along as well, which uh, which fast or slow can do. He, he's kind of come from nowhere, hasn't he? He's um, this handicapper who couldn't win a handicap at Cheltenham, albeit he ran a cracker in the Ultima, who kind of, you know, people had heard of, but they didn't really know much about him when he went to Punchestown. Then he won that race at 20 to 1. And as Martin Brazel said in the lead up to the race, he needed to do it again to beat Gallop in the Champs again to prove it wasn't a fluke. He's now proved it wasn't a fluke. He's now proved himself to be a, a proper Cheltenham Gold Cup contender. And, and, and as you say, it's great to have Mouse Morris, Martin Brazel up there dining at the top table with the Elliots and, and Willie Mullins of this world. It's fantastic. Shishkin's obviously declared at Newcastle and we'll see what the ground is like um, but you know I was talking to J- JD here last week I was just like since I backed this horse last year at Cheltenham I've kind of given up on predicting what he what he would do they had the cheek pieces on Nicky says with nothing to do with the cheek piece Nicky Henderson but you know he's he, if he were enigmatic before this what is he now? Yeah he's uh, he certainly is an enigma and he's obviously got the, the famous time form squiggle now which uh, all the best characters of the game I've had in their careers. Um, I always thought he never looked entirely straightforward. I never thought he'd do what he did on, on last Saturday. And it's obviously really worrying that he didn't have the enthusiasm to actually move. Um, 
I think it's a shrewd move by Nicky Henderson to run him so quickly again if it goes ahead at Newcastle obviously it looks like it's odds on to be called off but if it goes ahead at Newcastle um, look I, I don't know why but I do think he will start I think when you're aware of things yes you will make little tweaks to make sure these things don't happen again so they weren't aware that he wasn't going to start or potentially mightn't start last saturday now they're fully aware of it so i'd imagine during the week they've done whatever tweaks they can to 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 try and sort out whatever issue it is you obviously can't tell until they get to the racetrack i'd imagine when they get to the racetrack they'll be doing things a little bit differently again i thought ruby Walsh made a good point on the road to chatham he said if if he were riding them he'd, he'd actually keep him in the one direction and even though the start is closer to the finishing line going just say to the right hand side he'd go the whole way around and bring him to the start that way so that he's always facing towards the the stable when he's starting to the stable yard which i thought was an interesting point because it obviously is a mental issue with shishkin look he's got loads of ability i think even last season, I think in the Ryanair chase, we didn't get to see the full extent of his ability. Um, when he beat a high senior at Aintree, I thought that was a real good performance for his first try at three miles. Johnny, if you were to offer me a free bet in the King George now, I'd have it in Shishkin, on Shishkin. I think he'll win tomorrow if he starts. I think he's your, your King George winner in waiting, and I think he's got loads of ability. I just hope he does. I hope the meeting is on, first of all, at Newcastle, and I hope he does the business. You're far too forgiving, yeah, because the fighting fifth will get you as well. That'll be... Um in the second half of the show uh, where we'll talk about the big race at Fairhouse. I was in Mallow on Sunday, JD, and I'm calling you JD all the time. just can't get him out of my head. I was in Mallow, Davis. I was in Mallow on Sunday and a couple of things. Halka the Tarabert, for one thing, uh, in the colours of Honeysuckle, who I was always saying, well, not always saying, I was like, can't wait to see her over fences. Um, and meeting of the waters in in the last was a hell of a gamble. But the, 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 the Halka the Tarabert performance for me was just sensational. Yeah, and it's interesting. Gordon thought she should have won at Cheltenham last season. Mm. Just speaking to him afterwards, he thought that was one that got away, properly got away. And, you know, it kind of hurt him a little bit, I think, um, because she did produce a a hell of a performance. Uh, This season was always going to be, chasing was always going to be our game. But I don't know about you, Johnny, but I just thought everything was effortless. Like, it was like Mm. as if defences were were tiny beside her like she looked such like a real imposing mare who loved what she did and I loved the way she quickened from the last without even being asked and it wasn't that bad of a race either like there was some useful enough mares in there albeit she's going to be stepping up in class now but um it's it's going to be interesting to see how high she ranks among the mares this season because there's every chance she's going to be going to the mares chase at Cheltenham um, against the likes of Dino Blue, Allegory Devassi with a real, real chance. And as first impressions go, they don't get much more impressive than what she showed at Cork. Oh, it was sensational. And um, just just the last well meeting of the waters is quite interesting. I just remember Rocky Boya winning the Paddy Power. And afterwards, sort of, um, Brian Hayes was saying maybe he could go there. But it was a very interesting performance from a horse that's only had, what, three runs in the yard? Yeah, and not one of the most high-profile horses in the yard, you know, kind of a bit of an unknown quantity. And nobody knew really what what um, that horse was going to produce. And it was... The money spoke volumes, and uh, I thought the performance was of a horse that could win a big handicap somewhere along the way. Whether it's the Paddy Power or not, I'm not sure, but I certainly think there'll be a big pot on him at some stage, Johnny. So let's get to the action um, this weekend. We'll start with the um, Carl Gold Cup preview, and uh, this is in Newbury on Saturday. And as I say, we were obviously looking for the small little provisos about the uh, you know the racing this weekend. Um, we've had a bit of a cold snap. Um, General would referencing the fact that there obviously are concerns for um, Newcastle but Newbury has some smart racing as well ahead of um, the two 
kind of Irish meets. I think t- tomorrow tomorrow might be a small doubt in Ireland. Ferry House should be f- absolutely fine for the big meet Sunday. This is a this is a race over three miles too. A high senior is obviously the top weight in it. Um, it's really really open, JD. A few of these come into the race haven't haven't uh, had wind ups recently, including Complete Unknown um, and Maller Mission going over for John McConnell. Um, I I suppose. John's had a fairly quiet time of it of late. He's, his stable's probably been in better form. Maybe he's, um, yeah, his last flat winner was ninety was 94 days ago, I think. Last uh, jumps winner, 51 days ago. So it's been a quite enough run. Because Mallor Mission, obviously, I mean, heartbreak at Cheltenham last year. Yeah, fell at the that second season, last yeah. yeah, fell at the second last National Chase that Gayard de won. Look, John is, has made the jump from, from small trainer to to certainly medium slash large trainer. And and when you do make that jump, you're kind of taking on the big boys a lot and you've got a better calibre of horses. Look, he'll be he'll be really worried about the form of the stable. He has like had a few kind of unlucky horses, like the horse in the maiden hurdle at the November meeting at Cheltenham on the Sunday was just beaten on the line and that would have kind of ended the drought. Uh, Maller Mission has been on everybody's shortlist for this race for quite some time. Uh, perfectly respectable comeback over an inadequate trip. Certainly has a chance. Mom Big Genius, of course, ran in that famous ultimate that Faster Slow was, was second into Court Drambler who won the Grand National. So that form is really strong. Uh, then you've got Complete Unknown for, for Paul Nichols and Harry Cobden. Paul Nichols has said this has been the ultimate aim for this horse for ages. So you have to take that um, on board as well. And then you've got Stumptown for Gavin Cromwell and Danny Mullins. Like, what Gavin Cromwell has done over the last 12 months slash 18 months I know you've you've had horses you've owned horses trained by Gavin and uh, he has made the jump to be a big trainer now like he has got chances in you know grade ones at Ferry House on Sunday he's a runner in the Coral Gold Cup he's a smart flat trainer as well he really has made the progression from from medium size to to, to really top trainer and just, it's hard to believe like as, as I said on, the stable tour Johnny yeah. like we used to think he was his claim to fame was that he was Gordon Elliott's farrier. That was his claim to fame a couple of years ago, not that long ago. Now nobody even remembers that. So that tells you how far he's come that he's now one of the biggest trainers around. I, I spent a bit of time with him lately. He was talking about like he's bought land to join in the yard there in Ballarat near kind of um near enough to I suppose tar or screen direction or whatever, but he's he's um his attitude is that Rather than bemoan um, Willie and Gordon and I suppose Henry to a lesser extent, you have to try to match them. Um, and even then, he's a sort of a 60-40 jumps flat split. Um, he's investing a lot of money in the in the new uh, land. He's going to put a new gallop in there. Um, he's extremely hungry, which is quite interesting as well, given the background you talk about. Absolutely, yeah. He he really, it, like he's he knows what it takes. I think he's seen so many good trainers doing what they do and he obviously puts his own little tweaks to things and and does his own thing and I know we got Garvin Donnelly in there as an assistant trainer and um, the team just seems to be expanding and it's not just quantity it's quality like he is invested in quality he's buying a lot of point to pointers he's got big owners in the yard now um, and you know you do need those big owners to, to really make an impression at the top table and um, you know we just like he, he nearly won the goal we heard with my mate Mozzie and he is a terrific target trainer and I imagine Stumptown has been targeted at this race for quite a while um, he's definitely got a chance I do think though Johnny I do think and I, I kind of hate saying this because I know he's an enigma himself but I do think there is only one grade one horse in this race and that's a high senior um, people will say he's no Denman and he's no Denman of course he's no Denman Denman won this race twice but he doesn't have to beat the calibre horses that Denman had to beat what a friend was second to Denman when he won his um his second Hennessy and uh, you know 
what a friend spent the rest of his life in grade ones. There's no horses in here, I don't think, that are going to be spending the rest of their life in grade ones, apart from a high senior. I just think Newbury is absolutely tailor-made from three mile to flat track. There is a mistake in him. Like That's the thing. You're kind of waiting for him to make a mistake all the time. And that's the worry with a high senior. But he is the class horse in the race. He's given away lumps of weight to useful horses, but not top class horses. He was 16 to 1 for most of the week. I thought that was a huge price. I wouldn't be surprised if he went off much shorter than that on the day. I could see him going off a single figure price. And I think this could be one of these races where class will prevail. I do think he's by far the classiest horse in the race, Johnny. Yeah, very, very tough race. We go on to Fairy House. Now, Fairy House... Um Racing both days this weekend, but it's big meet essentially uh, of the year apart from the Irish National is on Sunday, um, where we got all of these like just top top class races, uh, starting with the Royal Bond, the Drinmore, into the Hatton's Grace one two three, and you even have then a Grade Three for the juveniles first I think first graded juvenile hurdle of the season prior to that um, a listed uh, hurdle race. It's just a quality quality day at Fairy House, um, and if you're going along, you're definitely going to enjoy it. And I have to say, JD, I know we've we've had all these. Um, DJ, I've, DJ, I have to say, DJ, J, JD is just on my mind. I have to say, as much as you know, small field again. I do like the makeup of the big race. You've got Buddy One is in there, um, it's kind of taking on the big guns, and it's not a formality for a horse that you mentioned earlier in Perry Passe. No, it's not, and I think that's what makes it so interesting. In that he's not two to seven. He's not going for a kind of a, a solo like Statement did last Saturday at, at Punchdown in the Morgiana. He's taken on a proper battle-hardened horse in Tihupu, who you know probably didn't have to run the race in the stairs hurdle. Won this race last year and ended Honeysuckle's winning sequence in the race. Um, he is a thorough stayer who adores deep ground. So. Tihupu is going to give Imperi Pass a proper test, but you would be disappointed if it's not a test that Imperi Pass can pass because there are only two realistic challengers to Constitution Hill in the Champion Hurdle, Statement and Imperi Pass. And like we spoke about Gaelic Warrior being the performance of the week. Like Imperi Pass made Gaelic Warrior look ex- extremely ordinary in the Ballymore at Cheltenham. That's how good Imperi Pass is. Um, they've kept them over hurdles and they want to win a champion hurdle Isaac Swade and Simon Muneer and uh, this will tell us whether he's going to win it or not Johnny I think he'll win I think he's got more pace than Tihupu and I think he's got a bit more class but he will have a race I can't see him winning hard on the bridle by 20 lengths or anything like that I think he'll have to get down and dirty but I think we've seen from him before like at Chetlam last season and even in the Moscow Flyer Punchdown he's well able to get down and dirty when the going gets tough so yeah I think Imperi Pass will win it's boring but I think he'll win did you have any concern at Punchtown? I'm just looking at the comments here. He was niggled along briefly before three out. And there was this moment, ooh, is this lad in trouble? Now, he ends up going away from them, but it was the first time like where it was really, really smooth at Cheltenham. Um, was that any concern? I know he ends up beating high definition by seven links, but he, that, if, you, if, you, if you did take the one to three that day, uh, for a moment, you were a little bit concerned. And then you have Bodie One as well, if I can bring you in on him, because it's been a great story winning. Um, he won a good race at, at Cheltenham the last year of 147, so he's kind of banged there now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to touch on Imperial Pass, first of all, I just have my doubts sometimes about Punch's 10 form. You know, horses are trained to peak at Cheltenham, especially Willie Mullins. And I know he always has a fantastic Punch 10, but I don't think, I can't remember too many Willie Mullins trained horses who won at Cheltenham and then produced even better performance at Punch's 10 than they did at Cheltenham. They often do the double, but not too many of them improved drastically from Punchestown to Chatham. Uh, maybe, you know, you can look back at horses over the years, like like Quivega, who potentially did, because she only ran in the Mare's Hurdle and then went on to win the stairs every year for a 
couple of years in a row. So I wouldn't be too worried about the punch ten thing with Imperial Pass. I'd say it was just he peaked at Cheltenham and then was probably end of the season at, at, at Punchestown. Um, as regards um, Buddy won. Look, on a hat trick was really good at. Um, was really good at Cheltenham. I was over there that day and I know some of the fancy runners, Martin Pipe had a runner in there that plays net that disappointed, but uh, or David Pipe. Uh, but a buddy one got the job done well. He's now rated 152. Lovely story. Colin Greaves in the Racing Post did a lovely piece of Paul Gilligan during mm. the week in Athen Rye. And um, it's just one of those kind of, you want one of these every year, two of these, you know, a buddy one to pop up and win a grade one. And uh, it would be a lovely story if he managed to do that. Like if you told me, two or three months ago that Buddy won would win the Hatton's Grace Hurdle I'd say ah Johnny come on not for the first time but uh, I, I'd be surprised if he was good enough but I think he'll run well Johnny and, and that would be the story of the race if if Buddy won did it for, for Paul and Jack Gilligan it would be it would be a terrific story yeah and Jack can't claim um, so we'll, we'll, we'll have a lot more in the second half of the show this is the Racing Pod and Off the Ball if you're listening to the free version of the podcast we'll be leaving you here but if you're looking for more including our analysis of additional races uh, at Ferry House and in England this weekend go to offtheball.com forward slash join to subscribe and get the full podcast every Friday with all our racing tips insights and stories from the week's action be it DJ or JD The Racing Pod on Off The Ball